it uh it's been a minute since our last podcast <clears throat> we've gotten a lot of feedback that was like hey when's the next podcast so we're making a point to do another one i think uh if all goes as planned we're probably gonna kind of crank things up a bit on the podcast maybe travel around with it a bit try to get some more content travel uh, the world yeah we've gotten a lot of Really good feedback from it, so I think we run with it. Kendall, we've got a first timer, is on his first podcast. I'm the podcast virgin for today. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> you set it up. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is uh, kind of a place for us to just, I don't know, go deeper, be ourselves, give people a chance to know us a little more, and talk about nonsense. Some of it, well, hopefully most of it relates to hunting, but a lot of it doesn't. So, uh, might ask you the Mike, do you know about the Mike Tyson question? I don't. No, we can't waste that much time <laughs> at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> no, we won't do it at the beginning. Maybe we'll do it at the end. Um, all right. So kind of an open-ended podcast. We don't have like a super specific topic, but I think we would start out by basically, I mean, it's, it's the new year. It's 2022. Um, kind of talking about what our plans are, uh, specific yeah. to spring, kind of going into summer and then fall. We've already done a bunch of scouting up North. I think that we take a deeper dive on that. Kendall, you don't have a, you weren't there. So you may have an outsider's perspective of right. that similarities and differences of up knocking up there versus down here, things like that. Um, but I think first and foremost, we kind of get a game plan of this spring. What was the last podcast we did? The one with Bill Spartan Forge? I think. The one that kind of spiraled downhill. It, and then yeah. <laughs> we kind of stopped, stopped after that, that one. one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we, uh, let, let's dive into the, the couple trips we made up North to kind of fill people in on what we've been doing. Cause it's been a couple months since we dropped a podcast or much content. Uh, we did have crispy in town and laid down some does, how many did y'all kill, or did we kill total? We killed in three, 11. No, two and a half 12. days. 12, 12, 12, 12. And Chris got blown at by deer, a lot of them. <laughs> and I think um, he had never suburban hunted before. So, you know, I think one of the stigmas about it is like, oh, deer smell humans. You know, they don't, they don't care about human scent. Wind is not important. And the wind was switching where the first place that, that I put him at, and he got blown. I was across the pond from him. He got blown at multiple times yeah i got and i went into my spot that was totally loaded and had the same situation wind was just swirling and the, there was a group of like i don't know how many there were there they're traveling in like a group of 10 and i could see them 150 yards away and they wanted to come in but they just kept doing circles because they could clearly smell me i had the so same I, thing happened to me on on my side of the pond when i was hunting with chris was i had a group yeah. come in downwind <clears throat> smelled me kind of lingering circling around like didn't like it left and never got a shot on any of those deer. Yeah, I mean, when I when I was hunting that weekend too, I mean, I had deer below me. They knew something was up. Wind was blowing down the hill. They were acting totally squirrely. So you just yeah, that doe you killed was going just back and forth like a pinball to yeah. get because she, she knew, knew something, something was, was up, up but yeah. she was like not sure what it was. Right. But uh, anyways, with those all those deer, most of those deer have been donated already. Uh, took them to the processor, donated them. Uh, use some of the funds from the venison project that we've been working on for a while, oh, at least a year now. I think it's been, so we, we filed, uh, the venison project as a 501c3 nonprofit sometime last year. 
And if you guys aren't familiar with that, essentially we started a nonprofit that's very similar to like Hunters for the Hungry. If you guys have that in your state or your area, uh, we raise funds through uh, our platforms and then we're partnering with some processors, some local processors to Atlanta. Uh, and essentially we enable you guys to drop deer off and then we go and arrange for the deer to be picked up and distributed to some like local Christian uh, ministries and shelters around Atlanta. The issue with this year was the process, most of the processors around Atlanta got full almost immediately like and they couldn't slam. Yeah. So we, we had plans of announcing this <clears throat> venison project and then at the beginning of the year and like having a ton of people participate, but these processors couldn't take enough deer. So we kind of got stuck in the spot of like, what do we do? So you've probably seen some posts from the last year or so of us talking about a processor opening our own processor in Atlanta. And this, this issue of, processors being full kind of brought that back sparked right. sparked that uh but also idea back up. proximity to atlanta there's not any that was that was like reasonably close yeah they're not us. close either yeah <clears throat> so the, the distance thing was was bad but also even if you drove out there they're full so mm-hmm. we yeah i mean we're trying to find something that's like really local and give people the opportunity to impact the people in the city that, of, that they're hunting yeah so it's, we're uh that we're that's probably our number one priority right now is getting that figured out and it's going to be very close to where we live on the north side of Atlanta. Kendall is uh Kendall's a real estate development background guy, so he's been hounding the city the last couple of weeks trying to get this thing approved because um, it's something that's never been done before in this city. Right. So that they they're really a little bit confused so we're having to educate them on some aspects of it but then it's they love the cause they're excited about it it's just working yeah. through zoning and trying to figure out how how we do it yeah so. and i don't want to i don't want to give away too much of kind of how we're setting this place up because it's very different than anything else out there but that's part of the challenge of getting this thing passed through the city permitting process but when it's done and we're gonna see to it that this happens for next year yep. wherever it has to end up happening. We might have to get a little farther away from the city, but we're going to make it happen and it's going to be awesome. Agreed. Um, so if y'all are interested in participating in that, just kind of stay tuned. We'll have a bunch of announcements as that kind of, I, I would, I would think for <clears throat> seek one, the mission behind seek one, I mean, obviously like our faith is super important, but like something that's a, a big mission for us behind seek one is to encourage more hunting in these areas it needs to happen there's overpopulation i mean the episode of crispy shooting 12 deer like clearly overpopulation issues but the problem is most of the people that hunt in these areas like you know sometimes you're dealing with tighter property lines and people are mostly buck hunting passing on does and and they're really only targeting a buck and a a lot of besides tight property lines but like another problem is what we've said if you shoot a deer in Atlanta, you got to drive an hour mm-hmm. and hope that the processor's not full. So people are like, if I'm going to deal with it with a deer and dragging a deer out and all this stuff, like it better be a buck. So there's a lot of bucks that are getting shot, but not a lot of does. And we want to make it easy, basically give those people the, uh, an easy opportunity to implement deer management, which need, which needs to happen and then directly impact the people from the city. And I think from just like, if you're, talking to a non-hunter 
being able to kind of like articulate that and show that like, Hey, this is a, this is what hunters are doing in their communities. They're managing these deer, making sure that they're in healthier levels and a healthier balance. And it's literally going directly back into the city that these deer came from to help people that need it from an ant, like an anti hunter's perspective on hunting. How can you look at that? And it's making them safer. Yeah. So that they're, you know, Bambi's not run out in front of their minivan right. yeah. when they're taking their kids to school. So for us, like it's a huge mission thing. Like it's super, super important for us. Yeah. I think we'll have opportunities for people to get involved, whether it's like helping distribute the, uh, like cooked meals for from sure. The venison project just to like actually get out there and meet the people that are in need. Yeah. And, and then just, even, even bigger than that, like if we can get Atlanta figured out the next step, Birmingham, Next up, Nashville. Mm-hmm. Next up, you know, kind of hopefully branching out to being able to incorporate this into other cities, not just Atlanta. Yeah. So yeah, because so many of these cities need the same thing, same story. And so there's there's homeless, there's people in need. So I mean, it really is a platform that could go anywhere. Yeah. So that's like the big big one on our radar. Uh, if y'all want to shift over to like what our plans are specific to hunts we got coming up. I mean, Drew, we. We focused more on turkey last year. Um, we're, it seems like we're going to do more of a blend of throwing some some co- hopefully cool bass fishing stuff in there again. Um, Drew and I have a bass fishing background. We both both fished on college teams, and uh, that was my first love was was bass fishing. So I think we're going to throw some more of that in there. Um, I know our turkey plans are we're supposed to be going to Florida. Um, here in the next week and I th- we actually so our buddy ryan knits down there has an orange grove pond and it's got giants in it it's like this i i forgot i don't know how big the orange grove pond is he said it's like a at least a thousand acres something maybe it's a couple thousand acres wow. and right in the middle of wait, it wait the pond oh the property is a thousand it's acres. not a couple thousand acre thousand pond that'd be well that's what <laughs> I, was, I was about to say man that's uh that's one heck of a uh, bass fishing yeah pond there. but they lost like he swears this bass was at least 11 pounds the last time he fished it. He's Jeez. caught several, like, six to eights. And so, I mean, there's there's absolutely no telling what's in there. Um, so I think we're going to do that and then hopefully kill some turkeys or have some luck with some turkeys while we're down there. Maybe throw some hog stuff in there. Might as um, well. Yeah, I mean, there's they're crawling with them down there. Um, and then transitioning to that, what's – was it Alabama that opens next after that? Yeah, so yeah. Al- Alabama's March 25th. We'll be op- hunting opening weekend there. And then Georgia is April 2nd. I think Georgia, Tennessee, Georgia and Tennessee are both April 2nd, if I'm I think you're right. Yeah. remembering correctly. But, yeah, we got a couple spots in Georgia. I think I want to go hunt the rock quarry just because we potentially might be managing that place. Dude, there was – um, I had a trail cam picture of a, a double beard out there last year. Oh, did you? Yeah. So there are – our turkeys. I remember asking there. you, and you said you weren't sure if there's a bunch or not. There's birds out there. I, I definitely think we hunt that place. I think we should try it for and sure. And then uh, do some urban stuff. I think we're gonna do um, just like a just a uh, like door knocking thing where we go right around, spot some turkeys, um, kind of up here where we live, and just go try to get permission and kill them. And then Tennessee, we're covered is, in Tennessee. <laughs> it's gonna be if you want, if you've never seen a turkey before. And you just want to lay your eyes on some? Go to Nashville, Tennessee, because they are absolutely everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. It's nuts. 
And I, so, yeah, Lee, you can probably fill in more on this, but we have like a 500, five or 600 acre piece of property just out outside of Nashville that we haven't been to yet that we want to scout for deer because it's, it's a ag, yep. ag field uh, farm. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's loaded with turkeys too. Supposedly so we'll probably it's do, covered. Probably do a little bit of scouting while we're turkey hunting. Yep. And then place. I got a, I was telling you about Derek today. Um, he's a buddy of ours. He's a singer up in Nashville and he's, he's got some stuff that's, you know, up, up there somewhere. I don't know where specifically, but he's like, you going to lay down some tracks with him? <laughs> maybe, maybe. And seriously, guys, the hunting stuff is only a, uh, it's a stepping stone for me to get into being a, 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 a hit singer. That's really it. Yeah. That's my end your, game. You had your chance talking to, um, rascal flats guy the other night. Hey. That's like your, that's your, that's your vibe. That's your uh, genre. <laughs> <laughs> that's your pitch rather than your voice i don't know what my genre is i feel like i could uh be like a renaissance man just do it all i don't know about that i can sing it all doesn't matter what it is <laughs> are you gonna do a sequin anthem for us yeah uh chris jansen and i actually we actually legitimately t- i do i wrote i know one. We, I, I wrote one. Oh, you did hold on i might still have these lyrics on my phone oh gosh You've got to sing it. Right? This is okay. This is where I, we spiral out of control. This is where I get into my element and my creative juices just start flowing. Let me see if I can find this. Um, have you heard these lyrics? Here too? it is. I don't know. So, I, this is just the chorus part. There's a there's a lot that goes into this, but I'm I'm assuming. Are you going to sing it, or are you just gonna no? I'm not going to sing it. it. No, um, you have to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> the world's not ready. Uh, you've heard the song, Paint Me a Birmingham, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Tracy, now, Tracy Lawrence. Now it's all coming back to me. So you have heard this before. Yeah, what, what, you and I were singing a little bit uh, when we were up in Nashville after we had talked to Chris and we started talking about this. So, yeah. yeah we. Is it Tracy Lawrence that sings Paint yeah. Me a Birmingham? Okay, perfect. So the song is called, Can I Hunt on Your Hunting Land? <laughs> if i swear if a if a listener out there steals this song i'm going to be so pissed (laughs) do we have a time stamp on everything that's happening right now so i can at least have proof these are my lyrics (laughs) i'll be livid this is this is technically first used or first first to market with the lyrics so all right so it's called can i hunt on your hunting land and this again, this is just the chorus. So there's I got a, I got a lot to do here, but can I hunt on your hunting land? Kill a deer just the way I planned. Your little house on the edge of town. Deer running all the way around. Put a blind by your backyard. Swing. Put a salt lick out in early spring. For a while he'll be on my trail cam. Can I hunt on your hunting land? <laughs> you've, you've developed those more than last time we talked about this. And then I even, I, the other two lines I have is like in that song after that chorus, the lyrics are like, he was sitting there brush in hand. My mind went to, he was sitting there TV remote in hand. Like I just knocked on the guy's door and he was sitting there with like the TV remote in his hand. So that's the last point starting, I've got. Starting to, to lose me here. That well, there's. I've <laughs> got the remember. chorus. I've got the chorus. Just got to build everything else around it. All right. Anyways, back to turkey hunting and what our plans are. <laughs> <laughs> See, going in this podcast, what I've ever thought, I'm going to dig out these lyrics from six months ago that I wrote, but somehow it always seems to go to those places. So, hey, I think that's a great start. 
and I think you need to continue down the there's path. There's something there, right? There, there's definitely something there. <laughs> okay. Um, what, so what about this uh, this potential world record growing yeah, so lake pond that we might be going to? I didn't, Kendall, you're unaware of this, but I was telling Drew about it today. Um, I think for the time being, I have to be kind of vague. Um, but there is a... I don't even know if I should say the state. I guess it, I can say the state, right? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, why well, it's in Georgia. Um, there's this guy that um, is a very well-off individual, and he is essentially trying to grow the next world record largemouth bass. Um, I actually saw videos from his like facility today. Dude, it's a lab. Like it's a straight up it laboratory. Looks, it looks like a state fisheries department. Yeah. Like full blown fish hatchery. And they have like bass fry on like all these shelves in these different containers with like all the genetic makeups of all these bass fry. Um, apparently by controlling water temperatures and like sunlight and stuff, like they're able to make these fish kind of spawn like multiple, multiple times a year, pretty much when they want them to, I think. And they're crossbreeding like all of these genetics from all over the country. So like, um, they're, I think they're doing like swabs on a lot, on a lot of these tournaments. Um, if someone's catching like a double digit fish, apparently all these are being like sent to this lab. <clears throat> um, it's insane. Like it's, it sounds insane. There's just eight pounders. Like, I mean, there's hundreds of bass in these tanks and there's eight pounders, just like eight been bigger than that. Just like cruising all around. And they're like, yeah, that's like a two year old fish. Can I fish in the tank? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my first questions. <laughs> and, uh, those fish were eight pounds in that video. Some of them. Yeah. Dang. I couldn't, um, I couldn't tell if they were bait fish or like bass. Cause I, there was no, like, so those are Nothing juvenile. Nothing to gauge how big they were. Right. Those are juvenile bass in one of those videos. There's some oh, okay. videos that, that there's several fish way over eight. Um, I think they're mostly feeding them like massive goldfish, huge, like huge goldfish. Um, they've apparently. Do you know why goldfish? No, I don't. Because they're not, because their fins don't have spines, I think, and they're easy to, they don't get caught in their throat and. Less of a chance it, for them. Yeah. Something to go wrong and then them die i guess um but allegedly they've grown several fish like 14 15 16 pounds and they've turned them loose in like one of their their lakes out there it's a female only lake well they've they've got several lakes out there one of them i think is their main fishing lake and we were told if you could for your best five fish could probably bust 50 pounds out there so there's kind of a deal where like they obviously want a little bit of like publicity or just like marketing. And we would do a video just like showing the facility cause it's cool. I think people would enjoy seeing it. And they're like, you, you know, if you show a video of our place, like we'll let you fish here. It's like, that's a fair trade all day long. <laughs> no Pond where you can catch a 50 pound bag done. Hey, I just, I just want to break the 10 pound mark. I've been fishing for a very long time. Um, this apparently yeah, is the place that, to do that it. would be the spot. It sounds like to do it. So, so yeah, they've got a main fishing lake and it's just covered in grass, lily pads, like covered in huge fish. Apparently they have another lake that's like female only and they've only put fish like at least eight pounds in it. 
they've put some up to 16 pounds in it. I, I really don't know. Like I haven't been there personally. So I, I'm just kind of going off of what I've been told and kind of shown. Are there fish in there that they don't, that they think could potentially be pushing like the 20 pound mark or is it too young still? So I like, I don't know when they put that 16 pound fish in there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's kind of what their thing is, is like they grow them to a certain point and then turn them loose in a lake. I wonder if there's, I wonder what the limit is on how big they can grow them inside a tank before it's like they need a, a larger, larger environment. Space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. That's what's the world record. 22 pounds. No, it's like 25 now. I thought, right. No, no. Or did so that not get there was a 25 pounder caught. It was caught in California, but it was accidentally snagged off of a bed in California. If you snag a fish, it's not a legal fish. Can't count it. So, and then they, and they waited. It was like 25 one. It's 100 percent the largest large, large mouth that's ever existed. The Wasn't there name. one in Japan that was like 25? Yeah. Oh, I know the history, dude. I'm dialed on all this. I'm okay. your guy. <laughs> the fish's name in California was Dottie. It was caught multiple times over this year span. There's actually a really cool documentary about it on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty awesome. It's been caught multiple times. It was like eight, 18, 19, 20 pounds every time it was caught. They caught it that one time, 25 pounds, and then I think the next spawning season they found it dead floating. Um, there was the standing world record is currently tied. George Perry in, I believe, 1932 in South Georgia on Lake Jackson? Moultrie? Jackson? I thought it was ja- – or I don't – it was some oxbow. This is where we need the fact checker. I swear it was Jackson. <clears throat> Google. Um, was caught by George Perry, 22 pounds, 4 ounces. A guy in, I believe, Japan caught a bass, you know, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe longer. That was 22 pounds, 5 ounces. It was one ounce heavier than the standing – world record bass that George Perry caught in 1932. But according to IGFA, it has to be two ounces heavier than the current record to be considered the brand new world record. So it's technically a tie, even though his was one ounce heavier. Lake Montgomery. That's what it was. I knew it was an M. Uh, the lake, the lake has be- since been drained. I don't think it exists anymore. Why does it have to be two ounces more? I don't know. I'm not Mr. I- IGFA. There's, maybe there's just like too much variance in a scale for one one ounce tolerance to overturn a record or something. I don't know. So, but that, we're gonna, we're gonna break it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just go catch a thirty two pound bucket mouth. <laughs> it's like whoops. Um, you know, I, like obviously, I mean, you could go into the like, is that right? Kind of should ta- it should it count kind of deal? Yeah. Um, I don't. It, I'm not. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's a whole debate topic in and of itself because it's being quote farmed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but nonetheless, it still seems pretty difficult because I think people would have done it. I mean, if you think about growing deer, they easily grow deer way bigger than the world record. Oh yeah. I, oh, I yeah. wonder why it's so much more difficult to grow a fish that much over, <laughs> over the world record, and maybe just because it's body size, like. If you're trying to grow a like a 700 pound whitetail, that might be similar to trying to grow a 25 pound bass. Yeah, I don't possibly. Know. Sounds like a challenge <laughs> for somebody. Anybody that wants to go for it for the largest, fattest deer, yeah. <laughs> I could get behind that instead of these deer farms trying to grow racks. Just right, go for the, <laughs> go for the largest hey, absolute unit. It's all about the meat these days. That's How right. much venison right. can you get yeah. out of it? So yeah. Um. Anyways, derailing here, but I. Nonetheless, it's a cool place to go and fish, and whether or not these fish were grown in a lab, 
<laughs> no, I don't still care. Gonna be cool to catch them. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's one that I think we're pretty excited about. I think it'll be interesting to do. Um, uh, and then yeah, I mean, a few other turkey trips. Yeah, just some turkey stuff. But I think there's so we're kind of trying to make like a few stories that we can follow along with throughout the season this year. And I think one of those that's going to kind of start up here pretty soon is managing the rock quarry, yep. potentially the rock quarry, maybe another property, but it's looking, it's looking like it's going to be the rock quarry property and kind of getting like a, just the management perspective of hunting. Um, how many acres is that place? kind of want to be vague because I don't want people to find it, but I guess... I mean, just like to the hundreds. Ocho. <laughs> it's less of a chance that people speak Spanish. Like and the people that <laughs> don't understand Spanish. <laughs> Maybe that eliminates like 0.1% of people, but... <laughs> they can't Google the word help. Ocho. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, I think we're going to go and hopefully plant some food plots this spring, do some shed hunting on that place. Do just like a one big trail camera survey of what's, what deer are on the property. Um, and then just kind of get a little bit, you know, more of a perspective on that side of hunting. Cause there's for a long time, like that was as far as like hunting TV goes, like that property management, growing your own deer That's right. was a huge part of it. And it yeah. still is. And I think it's like a ton of fun. Like I have a, a little bit of experience doing property management stuff and just like manicuring a property and doing everything you can to just grow and hold deer is, is a ton of fun. So that'll give us more opportunities to you know do some different things here in Georgia. And I think that's going to start in the spring and kind of continue over the summer into the fall. Yeah, uh, I think, I think it'll give us a, a, a good, just like different perspective on, on hunting. I mean, yeah, I, I think like obviously the suburban stuff, and knock on doors is, is our niche, but like, I want us to be an advocate for all hunting, whether that's, you got a big, you know, chunk of private land you're able to hunt or you're hunting public land or, you know, anywhere in between, like, I don't want to rule anything out for us. I think doing the the land management stuff would be a, a good change of pace for our channel, do something, do a different, people can kind of see the progression of the property. Um, as and we I kind just, of honestly, I just want to see you forced to spend the night at the haunted quarry. Dude, that's going to be the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll renovate one of those little, uh, sheds right by the quarry to sleep in a little bunkhouse with the spirits. We'll have to have some dares of like, you have to like stay no. in a certain part of the quarry for a certain period Dude, of time. Dude, I'm for real. That place is no joke. <laughs> if there's a, I'm so serious. I'm not kidding at all. The stories I, that I've heard from out there and, these are, these are from like, we used to let a group of Navy SEALs hunt it and this stuff, these are guys are, are no joke. Like they're not, they kill people. They're not like, you know, they <laughs> don't joke around. They're, they're, they're uh, they're not the, they're, they're not full the, of crap. They're not the sissies that thought they no. saw something when they went into the woods. No. Like it was, but even they were like, he's like, don't spend the night there. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't. And then he, he told me some stories we can kind of probably tell some more of those on another time but like that's uh maybe we do a podcast from the quarry at night and tell the stories you know the electronics won't work that's true that's a good point the last time we were out there like throughout the night 
flashlights quit working, radios quit working, like cell phone service was was dropping. I had three flashlights. Every single one of them died. Is this like Bermuda Triangle? Yes. Like I got in my truck and like none of my, like the electronics, like I couldn't get the radio to turn on. It was just weird. And as soon as we left the property, everything came back on flashlights that were not working i'm intrigued now <laughs> it's true dude uh, i'm ready I'm i can ready, see you yeah. being into like ghost hunting yeah. ghost busting oh yeah I if there's a uh, if, I'm, I'm already getting into this if there's <laughs> a uh like a uh ghostbusters or like ghost hunters youtube channel maybe we do a collab and bring him out there <laughs> sometime this summer that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's the part that scares me is like if something were to happen I feel like it would change my life forever. And you would never go there again? No, I wouldn't. Like, my life would never be the same. Like, period. <laughs> like, you don't. if something <laughs> so drastic happened, I wouldn't be able, like, I wouldn't be able to live at home alone anymore. <laughs> I'd we'll probably be have, getting, Drew and I will be getting phone calls at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, man, what are you doing? <laughs> Can you come over? I'm not kidding. <laughs> if something drastic happened, I'd probably have to have some sort of therapist and there is no way I'd be able to live by myself anymore. Because I would feel like whatever we encountered out there... You'd only hunt mornings. Just you'd, followed us home. You'd I, only get in the stand after daylight. and I just hunt the middle of the day. <laughs> you'd, you'd probably kill like all the biggest dude. Right? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, moving on from the quarry. Uh, so yeah, the, we're kind of trying to have like... Not a, I wouldn't say a series, but just kind of like a common theme uh, for the season. And one of the themes is going to new cities and trying to find another gigantic urban whitetail. And whether or not that uh, is a 200-inch whitetail or just trying to find something that's just on that next level, yeah. um, we're essentially scouring the entire they northeast exist. slash east. They exist. To out there. They are one. there. They absolutely <laughs> yeah. exist. Before we go into this, we can say states. We cannot say cities. Okay. That's just a reminder. Trying to be... I mean, we've here. already been to how many states? Three? Two? Um, Kentucky, Ohio, well, Michigan? F- yeah. Yeah. And then we'll throw Indiana in there as well. Indiana? Yeah. Hmm. I can't tell you where, but because then we'll give it give away too much. <laughs> yeah, because you can't say cities. Yeah. Or, or do you have a lead you're just not telling me about? No, we've talked about this. Okay. All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that is kind of what, like, I guess originally set us apart was people couldn't believe the deer we were killing out of Atlanta. Just couldn't believe it. They were like, there's – I mean, dude – you know the stuff I went through with the first char- like when we killed Charlie. I mean, dude, I had the game wardens calling me, and they were like, take us out there. You need to walk us around, this, that, or the other. And I'm like, guys, what What are you who, What are you hearing? And they're like, Lee, people, they were, they were like, we heard, this is where the, the helicopter uh, thing originated. They were like, Lee, we literally heard that you were flying these deer from high fences from up north in a helicopter and dropping them off here in Atlanta and then hunting hunting them. Like he's like we have heard everything. People just do not believe that that is a Georgia deer like that came from Atlanta. And 
that was like the original thing that people were just in disbelief about was like some of the size bucks we were killing. And it's because we were hunting areas where they were getting to the right age. Well, what happened to the four pointers that we kept flying in? Like they just got bigger. Yeah. yeah. You, just, <laughs> you don't have to fly in these gigantic deer. They're going to get big if they get mature. So. There was a comment someone left on our YouTube channel. I screenshotted it. And this guy literally, he's not like, literally believes that we fly all of our bucks in on a helicopter and hunt them in Atlanta. Like he's not, he didn't say it as a joke. He wasn't saying it just to be funny. Like he's, he said it in a way he's like, I believe they do this. Makes sense. And so that gave us another podcast idea of just like screenshotting ridiculous comments and, merch, and reading them. And merch idea for a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone said that too. That's a good idea. Oh, yeah. No, I think it'd be awesome. Um, so when he's kind of, kind of getting back on track, like that, I think that in and of itself of just like finding a super unique animal in a unique place is kind of like the mission we're back on. Um, yeah. And just taking what we've learned and developed here in Atlanta and applying it in these other States. Yeah. And honestly, it's just like, we have spent so much time hammering Atlanta. It's getting harder and harder to find mature deer here. Um, and it's also just fun going to like new territory. It's because some new bags let out the secret. Yeah, I don't know. Why yeah, I don't do know that. who that was. <laughs> <laughs> that ruined that, it for everybody else. That 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 and the poachers that decide to go and hunt wherever they so choose. That's true. That's a whole other podcast in itself yeah, too. Yeah. But I, we say that jokingly. Like, um, I, I'm actually really glad that that hunting suburban hunting has become so popular because. It's giving people the opportunity to get out and hunt. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many direct messages I've gotten over the past couple of years of you know younger guys, guys you know my age to where they're just like, you guys introduced me to hunting. If it hadn't been for you, I never would have thought about getting a bow or whatever. And like that is what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. getting kids and anybody who could possibly enjoy what we love out in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And we have made a big impact and that's awesome. Yeah. That is always more important than killing another big deer in my book. Oh, 100%. And it's more important than, you know, keeping it all to ourselves. 100%. Not that anything's wrong with keeping it to yourself, but for us, it's like, it's a story that's worth sharing. Yeah. I mean, running into Zach this year, uh, I passed up a hundred I gave him my spot to hunt 160, 170 inch deer. And it was just because, and I, I honestly, like, I don't know if that's just the maturity that we've kind of all gotten to, like the place we've all gotten to. But in my heart, I was like, I genuinely would want to see him take that deer as opposed to me right. just shooting another buck. And that's kind of my, our mindset on all of it is that like, we want people to have those experiences too. Um, so is there more competition than ever here in Atlanta? Absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, is it an awesome thing though, that people are getting to get out get excited about it and find new opportunities and from door knocking? Absolutely. It's awesome. Right. So yeah, to Drew's point, we're taking that on the road, going to other places where, um, I guess more traditional States where just huge deer exist in mm-hmm. general. Um, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, uh, Michigan, and each state has its own different, unique set of challenges. And 
you never really know like what you're getting into until you actually get boots on the ground. And each, each state and area is different for sure. Uh, I know my pitch gets tweaked kind of here or there, depending on each, you know, particular scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's kind of our, one of the goals this year is to, is to find one of those like mega giant deer, whether it's a 200 plus, like, yeah, that'd be sick. But you know, if it's not, and it's like a 170 inch eight pointer or 170 inch deer in general, like not going to be disappointed in that at all. Are we allowed to talk about the the mega giant that you've already found? (laughs) There's, uh, which one? The, the two thirty. Um, you were, were, were going to show me a picture of a deer. Yeah, or I'll still that, show it to that you. That I haven't seen. Possibly I, is that it? I mean, we don't. Have to get I'm d- about to drop a power statement. I backed off on a 230 inch deer at a spot I had per, got permission to hunt behind a church. Called the church, talked to the pastor. Everything's great. Got permission. Went back and the like. Some of the trees were. I've never seen trees like this destroyed in my entire life. There was a guy hunting next door. He was actually hunting when I went to put out a camera. Guy's been hunting the deer for several years, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hunt next door to somebody. And I also just like respect amongst hunters. He's been hunting it for several years. I'm just like, man, I'll, I'll like leave this general area alone to you. Um, but that deer's every legit, bit of two thirty. Like they found the sheds. It's oh yeah. It. It's one hundred percent two thirty plus. Yeah. yeah and insane deer how old do we and he made think it that deer. deer is like mature wise going up going he's down. going up i mean yeah. he was he was the, according to this guy he was 200 the year before 230 this year and he made it through the year there's no telling what he'd be next year well depending on how old he is i think that the guy's saying you know six okay six seven maybe so he could absolutely yeah, not, not just like pass his prime yet right he could just blow but up. But that's the kind of potential. What happens that if that deer hits like <laughs> 280? I don't know, man. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I find another area like away from that area that the deer, that's in the deer's area uh, or in the deer's range. I, I don't know, man. That's Part of hunting is competition too. So, but I know what you're saying. We, I'd be uh, looking uh, at this guy the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be looking at each other, <laughs> waving. Just might as well just both sitting sit in his blind and just whoever pulls the trigger first. Yeah, you yeah. just pull straws and figure out who's um, going to shoot for the day. I'll say something that's consistent across the board of wherever we go, city wise. There's people doing this. Oh yeah, there's hunters everywhere. That was my issue, like that city that we're talking about. So we, we went up, uh, right after the archery trade show back in January, went straight from there up to this city in Ohio and, uh, spent what, four or five days knocking. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of just divided and conquered and I, I went one direction, you went the other and it seemed like everywhere I went, there was people hunting. Yeah. I mean, I, I did land some spots. Um, and most of the spots I landed were like the stuff that's a little bit tighter, like closer into town. But, like, even the spots I landed, they were like, oh, yeah, like, so-and-so used to hunt here. They just haven't been back in a long time. The neighbor lets people hunt, whatever. And, like, 
I, you, the where you were, it sounded like there. It, you I had, had very less few pressure. people. Yeah, and, and the reason was I think I had all the all the spots marked that I believe you went to. Yeah, they were the they were the most obvious stuff, larger chunks. Um, and I think if like most of these places were going, if it's like an obvious spot, it's been asked. Yeah. Um, I was in places that are more like it'd be way harder to find on a map. They just don't stand out. Um, and I ran into, I did still run into hunting pressure, but not, not as much as you were mm-hmm. for sure. Well, that's kind of what our niche has always been too, is finding those smaller individual like funnel areas or whatever yeah. that, that people don't think to, Oh, I'm going to go knock on that two acre piece of property, which is the money spot. Yep. It's just, they're like people, a lot of people have had the <clears throat> mindset of, I need 10 acres to be able to hunt. So I'll, I'll transition to this point because it run hand, runs hand-in-hand hand with a Michigan deer. That I'm, I have a flight tomorrow morning at 7 in the morning going back to Michigan. I drove there after NWTF um, just to knock on doors, drove back. Flying back up there because I'm wanting to make sure that some of those maybes that I got, just following up, turning to yeses. And I, I feel like if I can spend the spring and summer – and make sure I'm, I've got a few spots landed that it would it would hopefully pay off in the fall. Right. Because if I'm spending the fall up there and I'm, you know, knocking and trying to hunt at the same time, yeah. like some sometimes you knock on a door, it takes a month, two months, three months to get permission. Or you get a yes, and then you go set everything up, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we changed our mind. Right. So I'm wanting to make sure like months in advance that I'm good and I've got some spots. And transitioning to the point of what you were saying – there is a buck up there that is an absolute freaking giant. Giant. Is this the deer he has not seen pictures of? I don't. I'll show. I'll show you a picture. I think, you, I think <clears> you've seen, seen it. it. I, I think I've seen a picture of it. I'll show you this picture of it though. Maybe I haven't seen. Have this you not seen picture. the two thirty? He's definitely seen the two thirty. You know, I just never know with Lee. <laughs> yeah, he's always sending me all these giants, and I just can't keep up. I have a hard enough time keeping up with the with the deer that i find which aren't 230 inches by the way <laughs> yeah i haven't seen that picture <laughs> it's really small i know you guys can't see it is that why your eyes got so yeah. big <laughs> he's squinting i think that deer's like a zeus level deer like comparison wise yeah that's a really cool deer um, awesome time length super wide Got some junk. He's 200. Got some junk <laughs> in the trunk. So, so here's, I mean, here's the situation with that deer is what, I, what I've been able to figure out with just my limited time up there for a few days knocking. The obvious spots, all of them have hunters. All of the larger blocks in that area have hunters. They are 100% hunting that deer. And this deer is avoid seems to be avoiding those larger blocks because that's where he's experienced pressure what i've seen is uh I, that deer's been posted on on social media facebook and stuff people are saying he's been shot before um so most of these deer have yeah, yeah. when they get that old and that big they've been shot before yeah multiple um, times some, yeah. sometimes so what i believe is happening because we've seen this here and we've seen it time and time again i think that buck is avoiding these larger blocks of woods where he's experienced hunting pressure and he's hanging in these tinier blocks. 
Um, there's <clears throat> certain areas that you can hunt, certain areas you can't. Uh, most of this deer's range is unhuntable. But he is he spends part of his range in a place that he is huntable, and those larger blocks are being hunted. There are pictures of this deer around, and it's because he's he's wandered through people's backyards, just cruising. And on paper, if someone were to just look at this a picture of this deer or a video that someone's taken of this deer just meandering through someone's backyard, they'd be like, what are you talking about? That deer's so easy to kill. Where's the challenge in that? But it's like once you really dive into it and understand what's happening, that deer's never, ever, ever experienced pressure in those tighter places. Right. But he's more visible to you know people that live there and stuff. He's purposely avoiding these areas that he's being hunted. He knows where he's never experienced pressure in his entire life, and he's he's staying in those places as much as he can. And like he is, he's probably seven eight years old. Like he's smart. I mean, he's been hunted his whole life, and he's still alive. He's been shot, and I think I think that it's a similar deal to all these you know, deer in some of these areas. Yeah. And when you say he's in like these smaller, tighter areas, that doesn't mean he's sticking to one small area. No. Like he's got a network, a network of small areas that they bounce around essentially unpredictably. I've, and you can't, and you can't bait in Michigan. You, you can't, not only can you not bait to hunt over. Yeah. You can't, if you were miss Betty and you wanted to see some deer in your backyard and throw some corn out, can't do it legal. You get rid of a ticket. For you can't put CWD out, purposes. Yeah, can't put it out at all. So that deer, he travels like crazy. This is what I've learned, been able, just with what I've been able to learn. Travels a massive area. He's been seen two miles this way, two miles that way, two miles to the south, two miles like just, no, I'm not being literal, but like he's covering miles of territory. Very unpredictable. Super unpredictable. Uh, covering a ton of area, but it seems like, He's avoiding some of these certain areas that he just kind of knows um, he shouldn't go to. So, but what you're getting at is, if you were if you were to somehow kill that deer, which would be extremely difficult, coming in from out of state, it's hard enough doing it here in Atlanta where we live. One of those pictures is probably going to pop up where someone took a picture from their kitchen window and the deer is like feeding through their yard or you know sneaking by. And they're going to be like, oh, you killed the, you know, the, the neighborhood, neighborhood pet, pet deer. Yeah. I could have walked up to him. 100% those comments will be made, no doubt. Yeah. And, you know, to me, like, I've t- I actually talked a lot to a lot of people about this. Because, like, I am concerned that, like, I don't want people to just see that and draw that conclusion. Um, I think it's one in a hundred that I kill this deer. I've got other places up there and I've, I've seen some other good sign that, that this deer definitely didn't make. So it's not like I'm only going because of that deer. There's just, if a deer like that exists in that area, you know, there's gotta be others. Oh, yeah. And so I'm not putting all my eggs in that deer's basket, but I, I think it's like one in a hundred that I actually could kill the deer. Um, but that is one of my concerns is that like some, like to your point, someone sees that deer or a, a video cause it will come out for sure if I killed it, because it's so big. If it was a 130-inch deer, nobody would care. But this deer's a mega giant, And I'm sure there's going to be those comments and feedback that that don't get, like, the full picture of it. And here, here's what it boils down to, too. And if there was not a significant challenge to it, 
I would lose interest so fast. I don't care how big the deer is. The deer wouldn't be alive if there wasn't a significant challenge right, to it. Right, right. <laughs> Anybody like that yeah. hunted in that area would just walk up and shoot it if, if you could, but you obviously can't. Yeah. I was talking to Andy May about it. <clears throat> he was, one of his comparisons that he was familiar with was he was talking about some of the mule deer in yeah, Colorado. Out, out west, yeah. And he was like, some of these mule deer are giants, giants. Yeah. like way over 200. And you'll see them laying down in people's yards, backyards and front yards. I mean, like just chilling. Yeah. It's, I mean, the whitetails here do not do that. Like the mule deer do out there. Yeah, they don't. But his, that was sort of his comparison to it. Cause he was like there. He's like, I can't tell you how many people are trying to get permission or try to hunt like on the edges of the cities. Yeah. And people have been hunting this specific 200-inch deer that people see in their front yards laying around for years. And every single year, they're not able to do it. And it's just like, again, on paper, you'd be like, where's the challenge? But then when you actually get into, all right, we have to kill this deer. Everything has to be on the up and up. It has to be ethical. It has to be legal. You know, that's where the challenge in life. It's like, you know, if you're walking down the sidewalk and you saw one of those mule deer in Colorado and you had a bow, sure, you could shoot it, but you're probably going to be in some serious trouble. Well, and, and, and that's the, not hunting. And there'd be no It's not hunting. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, that's that, not hunting. That's not the challenge. No. But even, like, I think a lot of people will draw the conclusion that the challenge with the urban hunting stuff is just getting the permission. Like, once you got the pr- permission, the deer's dead. It's a step. It's which part is of it. so far from the truth. Like. Yep. There's a reason these deer are getting six, seven, eight years old, 190, 200 inches. Like, they're smart. They're getting hunted, and they're still surviving. And they're surviving in areas where there's hunting pressure and plenty of property to be to be hunted. So, I think Michigan, from what I've told, I mean, I have super limited experience there, but it's like one of the most, has like the highest number of hunters of yeah. any state. Um, so, I can assure you, if there's a buck like that that people are aware of, in a place that he can be hunted legally, I would guarantee you that there are people that are more than I've even become aware of. The only reason I know of these other guys is because I knocked on the doors and they were like, oh yeah, we have someone that hunts here. I guarantee you there's way more people that are hunting that deer that I am totally unaware of. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. So, but yeah, I mean, it kind of boils back down to it. Like if there was no challenge, if you walked up and shot a deer off the sidewalk, one of those mule deer in Colorado, it would do nothing for any of us. Mm-hmm. It'd be so unrewarding. For me, like I have pretty significant reactions when I shoot a deer, and it's because like I've put so much effort, we all do, into the deer that we're chasing. If it was just like easy and there was not much work into it, it'd be nothing to us. We would have lost interest in what we're doing years ago. Right. But that that challenge, like if that challenge is not there, it doesn't interest me or any of us at all. I wouldn't care to drive all the way, you know, 10, 12 hours, however far it is from Atlanta to Michigan. I wouldn't care to fly back up there to follow up on spots just to make sure I've got some places to hunt up there next year. You know, if it was just a cakewalk, I'd, I wouldn't care. Well, it's just everybody loves hunting new terrain, right? And it's this is the opportunity for us to get out into into different states and experience that on the urban side of things. Um, you know, with the rock quarry and stuff, we're gonna get to experience like the the big woods and managing big woods. But um, you know, urban hunting 
suburban hunting in some of these states that we're going to have giants. And it's going to show that across the board as we continue to go to new states. Like, we're going to find giants. Yeah. Yeah, We. I mean, we get so many pictures sent to us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, of just giant deer, and especially in cities that you would not expect. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, talking like North Carolina. Yeah. Orlando, South Florida. South Carolina, Florida. Yeah, just like places where you're like, what? Yeah. There's no, there's no way. I've never even seen a picture of a deer killed in that state that big. And so, and I, the day and age of social media, I mean, you get wind of a lot of, of deer and just yeah. stuff. Um, and it seems like if there's any, you know, sort of like clip that's taken of a deer in a suburban environment, we're tagged in it on Facebook or Instagram like 25 times. Oh, that's times. what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So, so some of these deer that we're chasing are, are leads that we've been sent or, you know, friends that live in the areas are talking about. Um, By the way, send all of your leads to Go Lightly Kindle <laughs> on, on Instagram. <laughs> um, but I would still say, like the majority uh, of these places we're hunting, we're not we're not chasing a specific lead. I mean, we know that there's good deer in the area, but we're still just going out and scouting and just kind of finding these areas that look good. Hundred percent. As long as we know we're in cities or general areas that have the potential to grow big deer. Yeah. Good genetics. And, matured. I mean, at the end of the day, like chasing down these leads like this, it's so hard to get to a point where you actually have a, you find exact, find out exactly where the deer is because no one just like, or sometimes they do, but rarely they're like, Oh, took this picture of this address on this, you know, this street, whatever. Like you have to, you have to figure out where those pictures are taken. Well, it's so hard in and of itself to chase a specific animal. Yeah. Like, you know, and and that's the thing. Like you get sent a big deer. Well, it's like, what time of year was it? Yeah, he is he way out of his range? Was he just chasing a doe like five miles away from where he yeah. hangs out? So it's like chasing a specific deer is so difficult. But getting leads like that at least keys you in on certain areas that are right. producing deer like that. I mean, you could go up up to Michigan, <clears throat> up to Michigan tomorrow, and drop a camera on a piece of property. And that deer could be a hundred yards away and you just never get a picture of him yep. until he starts moving like in October. Yep. And I mean, you know, how many times could you do that before you pinpoint where that deer is? Yeah. It's, so but, you, you can't, you can't get like too caught up in trying to find one specific animal. The hardest part about Michigan specifically is, uh, I mean, I'm just going to have to put cameras on just kind of highly used areas, trails. I can't really put them on scrapes. Uh, because I'm basically going to put cameras out now that will hopefully last into the summertime. So major trails, you know, maybe some kind of field areas. Um, I got permission on one swamp that's got some crazy trails going through it that, that'll probably be pretty good, but maybe watering holes. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a deer could walk. A trail camera is only giving you a glimpse, a fraction of what's happening in an area. So it's like, you know, I could have that buck walk right behind my camera five times. I have no ideas in the area. And, you know, it, it's just so hard to be 12 hours away or however far it is and not be able to just go do rotating cameras, go change stuff around. It's like, I'm going to have to, it's a, it's a gamble. I mean, it's going to be a total shot in the dark. It, it would be impossible to chase like a specific deer like that. It would be way more likely to say, I've found an area that's got good deer. I'm just going to go hunt. 
And yep. if a deer comes by that I want to shoot, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Well, the, the other thing is too, is think about how difficult that would be if we didn't have the use of cell phone cameras. cameras. Possible. I mean, that's what, it, it really is a game changer, but I do know certain states are starting to outlaw um, mm-hmm. cell phone trail cameras. But they're such a tool, especially when you hunt out of state and you're hunting yeah. new areas. I mean, it's a game changer um, and really does save a ton of time. Oh, yeah. So I was uh, on my way home from Michigan last time. I was door knocking in Ohio. Think I, I know I told you this. I don't know if I told you this. Not following any sort of specific lead. It's just we know there's big deer in this area, this city, whatever. Um, I'm driving down this driveway. They own, I think it was like five to 10 acres. I can't remember how, how big it was, but driving down this driveway, look over to my left and I see in someone's like yard, their uh, just uh, outdoor furniture. You, you, you did tell me this. This chair. Yeah. Dude, it was a skull of a for sure uh, minimum 180. Minimum. I think the deer is probably 192 to 200 inches. Uh, cause I pulled my binos and looked at it and half its rack was chewed off by squirrels, but you could tell like he just big frame. And then at, at the end of his left side, just had s- just stuff going. And I'm like, um, this is probably a pretty good area. <laughs> and I landed that spot. So like, I'm super, I have no clue what is there, but I'm really excited to see, you know what? Didn't the landowner say that there's a a bigger, bigger one? That's, one? that's what he said. Yeah. yeah. He was like, "Oh, that that buck in the back ain't." He, excuse my language. He was like, "That ain't shit. That buck in the back ain't shit." <laughs> like, you should see the you should see the one I I, I call Holy Spirit that I you know see running around. He's like, "That's a, he's big some bitch." It's like, well, <laughs> if he's bigger than that, one eighty in the backyard. I mean, yeah. there's no telling. There's no telling in an area around. that's been known to grow. Giant huge deer. 250 class deer. Yeah, huge deer. So I think that uh, with enough probing, I think that we'll stumble upon something, hopefully. What's going to happen is one of us is going to find a giant. We're going to go up there and spend the entire season trying to kill it. <laughs> Waste our whole season. We're not going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> and probably rack up a $50,000 hotel bill. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do some public land stuff too. Yeah. I, I want to hunt public in Alabama. Yeah, so um, I guess the other kind of well, I mean, I'm I'm doing all that as well. I went up to Ohio and Kentucky and Indiana to knock on doors and plan on going back at least one or two more times this summer. Um, but I'm I'm starting to branch out into some things that I've always been like really really intrigued by, um, and that's Westy. that's going west. Westy. <laughs> at least yeah at least calling me a westie take me with you you're a westie, westie dude but i've just always loved it out there i love the mountains uh i love i love getting like physical with terrain just going out and hiking and camping out for days on end uh i did do a elk hunt last year in new mexico which um i didn't ended up killing anything but i had like i think seven encounters where I literally need the, needed the bull to take like two more steps and it would have been game over and wind swirling cows spotting me, whatever, just like little things going wrong, uh, prevented me from actually killing one, but had a blast out there and I'm actually going, I think I'm going to go back to New Mexico this year, uh, for an elk hunt. I've been putting it, Kendall and I actually have both been putting in for tags, um, 
put in for Arizona and Utah so far, but both of, like everything we put in there, it's. I mean, if we're the luckiest person in the world, we might draw one of them. Right. But yeah. Well, I, I've been putting in Nevada for three years now. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But like these these tags we're putting in for are less than like less than a tenth of a percent chance of drawing with no points or even like with a handful of points. Right. So most likely I'll end up just hunting the same general area in New Mexico as I did last year. Um, but you had some really close encounters. I mean, you were, you were, I on, mean, you I, were on them. Second day, this was my first elk hunting experience. And we'll, we'll drop this episode kind of probably sometime in August this year. Um, second day. <laughs> and this is my first time like really calling too. Cause I kind of dabbled a little bit, like messed around just kind of for fun. But, uh, I went out there by myself. It was just me and a cameraman. So I was calling for myself, like doing everything myself. Um, and my experience is I, I've filmed a couple elk hunts. Um, but beyond that, like I've never, I've never had to be the one making the decisions or calling. Yeah. Second day, get down there looking around this massive unit, kind of had an idea where to start. And I, I'm just kind of like riding around bugling in the middle of the day, trying to strike one up. And strike one up at like two o'clock, kind of start like calling them in to me. And we like kind of run up to try to, to set up in this like thick brush and a freaking like 320 bull <laughs> comes in like just middle of the day, second day comes straight in, bugling his head off, comes to like 40 yards and needs to take probably five more steps on that one to get into this clearing. And by that point, I just, like, shut up because he could see where we were. Right. Um, and I didn't want to, like, give away our exact location. And so I didn't have anyone back behind me calling to, like, pull him past us. And I think either the wind swirled at the, like, perfectly wrong time or he just knew that he had pinpointed my call. Didn't see and anything. And didn't see anything, didn't yeah. see the cow or the bull. And it was like, eh, must be a hunter. So he just spun around, took off. And I, we actually called that bull back in two more times, like the next couple of days, but same kind of deal happened. Like he was, he knew something was up. He was on edge, but just had, I mean, we chased a herd of elk for probably four hours. One of the days, just like to exhaustion and just didn't, didn't have it happen, but it was awesome. Um, so I, I got, a I got some, an unfinished story to, uh, to wrap up in New Mexico this year, but we're also doing, uh, and I guess I'm the only one doing this as well, but I put in for a Utah general season mule deer tag. Uh, is that when the gator season is? Yeah. Okay. So you're going to be hunting the gator. The, well, Dude, I, <laughs> the gators. The gators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that's what makes us, uh, a good blend is like, we're all different. We all like doing different yeah. things. I love alligator hunting. I love shark fishing off the beach. I know that Drew would rather stand watch paint dry than <laughs> shark fish off the beach. I would love to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to go back down and alligator hunt. Um, that's well, I, I'm my, not going mule deer hunting. So just so saying. Maybe you can tag along. You want to go gator hunting? Yeah, yeah I, I like shooting gators. The medulla oblongatas. <laughs> so that's uh, that the Utah mule deer season starts like August 15th, I think. Somewhere right in there. Nice. So that's going to be the first first season, big game season to open. High country, like really high country, really rugged stuff. I'll make my way out there with Public you eventually. Land. 
Okay. Eventually. Hey, do I'll do all the leg work I'll, and then I'll do some uh I'll do some <laughs> just... out calling for you. Uh, I'll go I'll go behind you and okay. call some out. All right, here we go. Um so that's I think those are the two main western trips. We're gonna go shoot a total archery challenge out in Park City. I'm looking forward to that. Which yeah, is gonna be fun. I uh I wish I could attend, but I'm gonna be in Are we doing the Tennessee Yellowstone. One? <clears throat> yeah, doing the Tennessee Total Archery Challenge. Those are fun. I really like the one we did last year. Yeah. That was yeah, good that time. was fun. Um, are we going to hunt Texas? I think, yeah. I mean, we should. I think we're kind of. The plan is to hunt Texas. Yeah, I think we semi, keep it in the mix. Semi urban. It's almost like urban public land, but we'll also go knock on some doors as well in an area we've where we've also been sent pictures of just like yes. world class, like mega giants. Yes, there's. I'm in. Biggins. <laughs> I've 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 seen and heard of these deer. There uh there's some dandies up there. Like Yeah, mega whoppers. I had a guy speaking of just like social media and stuff. I mean, I had a guy send a DM and he was like, "You know, I hunt this area of Texas, which is sort of close to where this public is." And he showed me a picture of a deer that was like, I mean, it looked fake. It may very well have been fake, but <laughs> He swore that it was from that area and from the area that we're talking about yeah. hunting. Really? Yeah. Like, like recently? Uh, no, I think the deer was there. I, I think he said it was like a year old and that was last year. He said it, so it's probably a couple years old, but if he's there, there's, you didn't share this picture with us, Mm-mm. did he? No, I think he keeps a lot to himself. I know, right? I do keep a lot to myself. Again, please send all leads to go lightly. Kendall <laughs> at Instagram. <laughs> Um, I think that's mostly it, right? Uh, anything else? I mean, there's other, yeah, we got, there's a lot we can keep talking about. We have some other stuff mixed in there. I think, um, we'll probably try to do the seek a deer again, uh, in Maryland, potentially doing a summer trip for access deer. Mm -hmm. Um, Hawaii, Maybe Hawaii. We're still trying to get that worked out. That'd be awesome. And then also, uh, we're going lit on a late season hunt with Beaumar Tonic up in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah, I think that's where we decided on in December. I, I was going to say something about Bo, not not in a uh, joking like like talking crap about him. Um, <laughs> he's on a huge deer up there. Like, oh, is he? Oh, dude, I didn't know that giant deer. Um, Public land? N- actually, no. I think this is like some private. He has permission at. Gotcha. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't know, you know, what I should and shouldn't say or what he would not want me to say. But we well, already gave it away. Yeah, I was asking him. He's to probably gonna have tracking devices on his car here soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's um, he's potentially on something. That's all I can say. Okay, fair enough. Well, hopefully he's killed it by the time we're. Uh, yeah, about to I mean, this deer, <laughs> this deer could also be a fake. He's he's swearing that it's not and says it's not, but you look at. Apparently they found the sheds off this deer and it's like two thirty. Really? Yeah. Two twenty plus for sure. Dang. So anyways. It's gonna be a full season. Yeah, that, that's that's sure. kinda that's going on. Yeah, we're gonna be all over the place for sure. Doing our best, like like we said, going up on these door knocking trips over the summertime to get these spots set 
and just kind of have a game plan because going into the season, trying to shoot from the hip and land spots and find deer, it's, it's impossible to manage that many trips in that many States and be successful. Yeah. So we're going to continue to put out content over the summertime, but there's going to be a lot of trips that we just go and it's a business trip. It's knocking on doors. We'll probably film a little bit of it to go in like an episode during the season, but there's only so much of that that we can film. Yeah. Um, but we're going all out. That's for sure. I, I think this, this coming year, there's going to be way more content than usual. We're going to have, I think quality is going up. Like we're hiring cameramen to follow us around everywhere, which is going to be, to take, it's going to take a load off of all of us. This year could be it could epic, be epic, or it could, or be, could be huge, horrible. <laughs> it could We're taking some gambles. a lot of money. We're traveling for sure, taking some gambles. Um, Listen, just the opportunity to go do what we're doing is epic enough. If we're successful, oh, that's so sweet. Kendall. Look, dude, it's really bringing it home here. You know, team, team mom, mom <laughs> is, is is speaking the truth, <laughs> speaking the gospel. <laughs> No, agreed. It's it's still surreal that we're planning out this like massive season of just traveling and and doing what we love, and literally it's our job. Yeah. I don't I don't know how we ended up here. I do uh, know, I a, a lot of hard work, but still just like a total blessing that we're able to do this. Not, not, there's not a word for it, um, and I I still feel at times like super super not deserving of where we are. Mm-hmm. Just that. It, We've been super, super blessed along the way. The way everything just kind of happened, and we're very lucky to be here. And I still have people send messages to us that are like, kind of talking crap, like, man, I just don't know how y'all, you know, you all must be doing something ain't right, because y'all, you, there ain't no way y'all are just killing, killing these deer every year. I'm like, dude, we literally do this full time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Ha- we don't have another job. This is literally what we do. We can hunt seven days a week. I'm like, that's a big advantage to your weekend, guys. Yeah, yeah. So that's my life goal. I, that's true. It, still I, 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 I'm still. I'm still on the work train, but <laughs> we continue our success, and we will see. Team Mom needs will continue to grow. That's right. Did we cover everything that we we're going to talk about? I feel like we I only... think so. Did we? Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we're missing stuff, but I feel like that was for not really having that much of a plan of for a podcast. I feel like that was fine. Yeah. I was going to say that I think kind of on that last note that we talked about just kind of what it took to get here. We get asked all the time about how we got here and like what it took and um, kind of details behind how we film our hunts, you know, the whole nine yards, how we started a YouTube channel. I think we do a whole podcast on that yeah. at some point. I think point. it'd be really cool to I, unpack soon. that. Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Because I, I, I get that question a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, a lot of you know, younger kids and stuff like interested in like trying to do their own you know, YouTube channels, or yeah. show or whatever. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're, we're we're an inspiration to a lot of people, which is uh, uh, crazy and uh, amazing and scary in some ways. Yeah. Um, scary in a lot of ways. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that would be that'd be a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Well, next episode might be coming from Michigan, potentially. We'll see. I'm gonna bring it with me, and 
if Andy can meet up with me, we'll we'll rip a podcast. So sounds good. Anyways, I think that's it. Adios. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs>